from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. But it's often around sports or something else like that, and it's rare that we get together to be intentional and think about masculinity and be vulnerable with each other. It's usually a mask or a front, you know? There is a nervousness, but there's also this, like, great tension. It's like, no, it it is sad, and it can be vulnerable, you know, it can be emotional, you know, and... Um, the intricacies and the nuances. Um, is that something that you found you had to unwind in, in these meetings, but the notion that you're not in charge of how other men are presenting, right. and that's not what makes you a man? Exactly. I'm Danny Wisentowski. Stereotypes and stigma still define so much about what it means traditionally to be a man. That strong, silent type. The provider. The never-crier. The loner. The player. But in St. Louis, a group of men have spent the last two months or so talking about what masculinity means to them and telling the stories of their own journeys in masculinity and confronting what happens when it becomes toxic. Those stories and their tellers will take the stage this weekend for a two-day event called Unmask. And here to talk about that event and the journey of its 10 storytellers are Bryant Antoine and James Minard. James is the co-founder of Undo Bias Consulting, and Bryant is the co-founder of The Village Path. Bryant, James, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's great to be here. So as I mentioned, for these last eight weeks, you and these storytellers, these 10 men, have been meeting regularly to talk about these stories, to share their experiences, and to figure out how to present them on stage. Uh, tell us about these meetings and, and what grew from them. Yeah. So um, this is the first time I'm doing a storytelling event. So from my perspective, um, you know, we would just, it, it was almost like a campfire huddle, you know, we came around for eight weeks and um, we, we started off the sessions with kind of like the highs and lows, you know, how's everyone doing? How's everyone feeling? And then we would open up to, to our storytelling um, and our writing. And what, what was the emotional, I guess, tenor of the, that first meeting? Were, were people nervous uh, to be in that space? Yeah. So, um, so I wasn't at the very first meeting, but <laughs> yeah. I, was in, I was back home in Boston. Um, but, but I think... Um, you know, I mean, James can speak to that. James, yeah, yeah. please. Sure, I would say um, the 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 men. There is a nervousness, but there's also this like great tension because as guys we get together a lot with just other guys, but it's often around sports or something else like that, and it's rare that we get together to be intentional and think about masculinity and be vulnerable with each other. And so folks came into the space like, yeah, just a little nervous and stuff like that. But after we do check-ins and people started sharing real stuff going on in their life. Uh, people experienced death and loss and people had, you know, new kids born and like all kinds of stuff going on and people were honest with each other. You could tell we started building this community and this this connection really fast. Yeah. James, you had been attending similar storytelling events for, for some time, but this is the first time that you're telling your own story. That's right. What was it about those other events that, that inspired you or brought you to a point where you wanted to share this part of yourself? <laughs> I would be lying if I said I was inspired and that's why I did it. It was more like I got a lot of pressure from the people in my life being like, you keep pushing other guys to be vulnerable and share their stories. And we've noticed you keep keeping that back yourself, you know, mm -hmm. wanting to kind of maintain that control and that sense of like 
being in charge. And so like I, w- I was really encouraged by, by men, but also women in my life to be more vulnerable and be like, okay, it's time for you to show yourself on that stage too. That's such an interesting piece of reflection. Is that, that sounds like something that might come out in these meetings, something realizing that your sense of control, perhaps, you know, telling other men what they should be doing isn't actually reflected in you. That seems like a very, a very man type of realization to have. We become aware of a lot of the patterns we have because of masculinity, but they don't disappear overnight. So, you know, but we're working on them together. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, you know, when I mentioned this phrase, toxic masculinity, and it does it convey the sense that it, it's something that kind of seeps into your worldview, something you're not even fully aware of yourself about how you're carrying yourself and, and your values. What does that phrase mean to you? And, and did that come up in these meetings, defining what that meant for each of these storytellers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would say um, for me personally, I'll use like an I statement. I felt like I feel like as a man, I spend a lot of time thinking about how like masculinity plays in my life, you know, and then as a person who works to help other people, you know, seek therapy, especially black men, um, who don't like talk about their emotions, you know, then we're talking about masculinity and how it plays in our lives. And so I kind of feel like, like, yeah, like toxic masculinity always comes up because it's always so overbearing in our culture. You know, like um, a lot of times what gets like praised, you know, in our media today is, you know, men being on microphones, on podcasts and screaming like I'm a man and this is what men do. And, you know, men don't do this. And it's it is toxic. It just really is. And it's not just like emotionally and mentally toxic. It's fit like it can get physical. You know, sit on that that point for, yeah. for a moment. It, it seems like I think your reference to these sort of podcast jockeys or yeah. people who are presenting the sen- sense of, oh, to be a man, you have to be primal. You have to you have to change sort of how you look. And and I think a lot of it almost kind of as I think as James suggested is policing the actions of other men, yeah. making sure that they're staying in line and that they're not making others um, look bad. Yeah. Um, is that something that you found you've had to unwind in, in these meetings? But yeah. the notion that you're not in charge of how other men are presenting. Right. And that's not what makes you a man. Exactly. Exactly. So, like, we see how, like, gender norms, like, play out in, a, in society and, like, people saying, like, labeling and naming, like, this is what a man does is how they behave. And for us as a group, it was more about, like, okay, like, how did masculinity play in your life, play out in your life, you know? And for some people, it's like, well, it didn't look like that. You know, or it doesn't sound like that for me. Um, I don't act like that. I don't beha- behave like that. And not everyone does. Like usually, you know, and and you know, the play on words, unmask. Like usually, like people won't be- behave like that. It's usually a mask or a front. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and so like this idea that like oh like men really like act like this all the time is you know completely false. But. But also I do feel like young people, especially like boys and young men, yeah. feel a lot of pressure to yes. you know, assimilate to those things, to prove themselves. So a big part of what we want to do with Unmask is kind of have these you know, self-identified men up there on stage sh- like sharing their stories about how those expectations affected them oftentimes negatively, right? We're not anti-masculinity. Let me just be clear. There's a lot of ways that we think you know, masculinity can be a very liberatory, like, great thing. And we want to be honest and vulnerable about, like, the ways that many of us have felt constrained or pressured by it. 
uh, I'm always inspired when young people come to like these events. I, I know a few years ago when we, when we did one, there was a young person that stood up at the end and he asked one of our storytellers, uh, a, a non-binary person sharing stories about masculinity, and they had their fingernails painted. And the young person didn't ask anything about their story, but asked about like when they started painting their fingernails. And you could see this like maybe 11-year-old boy like just seeing a little space for his mm-hmm. life that he didn't see before. And like that's what I want our stories to often do is like, you know, give people a little space to be like, you identify as a man, that could be so many different things. Like you can you can push your edges, you can explore, you can like, you know, love and be intimate and, and, and things like that, that that maybe we haven't always felt like we could be. Yeah, and, you know, that point that you bring up, you know, for non-binary uh, people or trans men, they also uh, are looking for sources of what masculinity looks like, you know, at whatever stage uh, they're in. It's it's both something that, you know, I think comes from within, but also you're looking for models. You're looking for the way that people act, uh, the roles that they take. Um, is part of this event giving those those examples, trying to provide perhaps some other models for what masculinity, what those roles look like, and that it's not always, you know, a podcast jockey yelling behind a microphone about the kind of protein you need to be pumping into your biceps or something. Right, right. I think, um, you know, I, I can't speak to that experience, you know, the experience of non-binary or, or trans folks, but what I can say is that um, it's it's this the act of talking about masculinity is this unpacking of like a, a big box, you know what I mean? And it isn't just, it isn't just one thing. It's, it's more so the reality of like what masculinity actually is, you know, it's like, no, it, it is sad and it can be vulnerable, you know, it can be emotional, you know, and um, the intricacies and the nuances of, um, you know, of what it what it actually means to be a man and it's going to look different look and feel different for everybody who who you know navigates this world you know um and, and so it, it invites it, it's good because it invites those folks um who aren't cis you know to to look at it and and be like well I can be myself you know within the confines of of whatever you know gender gender I identify with mm-hmm. and Bryant you you brought up also this point that among black men this you know the the weight of the expectations of masculinity or the lack of guidance there it, it works it plays out in its its own particular unique way right. tell tell us a bit about that and, and the way that you come to that subject yeah so um so I talk about this a little bit in my story, but um, this idea that like, you know, and and I'm actually first generation um, Haitian American, so my family's from Haiti, and we don't you don't talk about how what you're feeling, right? Um, you know, somebody dies in your family, and they just say, you know, you know, like carry on, you know, you'll be okay, you know, pray on it. And that's sort of, you know, if you look at the African diaspora, that's sort of how a lot of black folks carry themselves. It's like, you know, you're you're supposed to, you know, carry yourself as like super ultra masculine, um, which involves like not crying, not being vulnerable. Um, So a lot of men that we speak to, like, don't ever cry, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and don't ever talk about their feelings, you know, and. Um, James brought up a good point earlier about, you know, boys. We, you know, also work with boys as well. And they'll say things like, you know, I just want to forget it and not 
and not feel. I want to be numb mm-hmm. to it. And they learn really early how not to express themselves. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's like we have these ideas of what masculinity is like in general, but it's even like more so hyper focused for for black folks. And and if you look historically, like it wasn't always like that. You know, there was it was more based on collectivism, you know, and being in groups and being together with your brothers and talking about talking about how you feel and talking about stories, you know. And so that's kind of what we bring, you know, to the table. And we're talking with Bryant Antoine and James Minard about the upcoming storytelling event Unmask. That's on October 27th and 28th, which features 10 men sharing the personal stories about how masculinity has affected them. James, I want. Oh, James, you had you had a thought to continue off what Bryant was saying. Well, just it's October twenty eighth and 29th. Twenty eighth and 29th. Thank you so much for letting me know. I have all of this correct in all of my notes. Um, I would, and you know, being able to accept criticism, I think, is perhaps another thing about men that you don't always um, have a basis for for approaching. Right. And James, if we're if we're talking about the opposite of toxic masculinity, yeah. um, I think we all kind of have a sense of, of the kind of masculinity that, that can be very, um, very heavy and, and damaging. But when we think of the opposite, the other things that, that you're building on this stage, what kind of traits or experiences um, come to mind? I mean, I, th- I think it's different for, you know, every person based on all of your other intersecting identities, right? So you brought up, like, other gender identities, racial identities, your culture. Like, those things affect what a healthy masculinity might look like for you. But a lot of times I think it has to do just with, like, healthy humanness, right? Like, you're a part of your community. You're you're not trying to be just this individual in charge of everything, but you're trying to be integrated with other people, you know. So you, you take on childcare just as much as everyone else takes on childcare, right? You take on uh, working outside of the home just as much as everyone else does and working inside of the home, right? Like you you listen before you speak, like, you know, all of the things that we often think of as just like healthy human characteristics, but we've been told like, well, men do this or whatever, right? And so then we have this tension inside of us. And sometimes we feel like we have to like prove our manhood in different like tough situations or whatever. Like, yeah, I'm I've been thinking a lot also just about the um about the shooting at CVPA this week and mm-hmm. the letter that he wrote about you know not having friends and uh, and feeling isolated and and I just think about like like a healthy masculinity like we're connected we're close we have intimacy we have vulnerability and 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 I and I think it's all of our responsibility to make sure the people around us, that the, the you know the the men around us, the people who identify with masculinity, have that also. That they don't feel like they have to give up that vulnerability and intimacy to be able to be masculine. Mm. Right, and, and of course, there's a reference to the the terrible school shooting yeah. um, this Monday uh, at, at a high school in South St. Louis, and and the shooter who wrote you know in in these notes uh, that he was isolated, that he was lonely, and and of course there are many other things about that situation we're learning, yeah. and including about that shooter. Um, but, you know, that, that sense of loneliness and isolation, you know, that, that can allow, you know, terrible problems and, and not just, you know, personal instability, but, uh, you know, many worse things to develop. And, and you, this is kind of the subject, James, of, of your own story, correct? This, this sense of the difficulties that many men have of making friends, of, of having that vulnerability. If, if you're never comfortable sharing your passions or being emotional, other people aren't going to notice that. And I think it's that isolation builds on itself in that sense of protectiveness. Is that fair to say? A hundred percent and maintaining friendships, right? Like I I think a lot of the times how as guys, when we have issues with each other, 
like we often will let the friendship go or you know we grow distant from each other rather than you know me being like Bryant that thing you said like really hurt my feelings but like I care about our friendship so like how do we talk through this because like our connection to me is more important than me being like right or in this moment or something like that so yeah I, I totally agree with that and it's just being able to to talk about you know with the fr- with the friend you know it's I think a lot of times when we have stories about masculinity it's like how we've learned masculinity through um, adults so like you know our father you know or an, another older person in your life and like sometimes it doesn't play out that way you know sometimes it's just like stories about your friends or it can be you know a brother you know so like for for me my story is. Um, about about my brother and I'm like I I learned how to be a man from mm. a 15 year old you know mm. and and so it's like it, it's completely different from for everybody and your younger brother yeah mm. so my older brother my oh your older brother, brother. yeah yeah and you know to that point um, I think very quickly it sounds like you know a lot of these stories involve you know whether it's fathers or these male role models unlearning them but also understanding maybe where they were coming from mm-hmm. and and the weight that they were laboring under. Is that is that a difficult perspective to reach uh, that piece? Yeah, definitely. Um, I try to. Um, so my story is about my older brother Bobby, um, who had childhood cancer, and he, you know, you know, my father, my mom got a divorce when we were really young, and I feel like he took on this like cloak of like honor, like. I'm the man of the house, you know, and it wasn't like with all this bravado or anything like that, but it was more so like, I'm going to teach you how to do things. I'm going to like teach you how to learn, you know, like I learned, you know what I mean? And so like trying to look into his perspective is, you know, you can relate it to other situations in your life, you know, and how like sometimes we're being told like, you know, you're the man of the house. Or, um, you know, you've got to do this, you know, and and just trying to, like, really embrace that. Bryant Antoine is the co-founder of The Village Path, and James Minor is the co-founder of Undo Bias Consulting. Both will be telling stories on October 28th and 29th at Il Monastero on the campus of St. Louis University. episode was produced by Maya Northleaf. Our audio engineer is Aaron Dorn. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.